0: I like that. It oh, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. I just want the, I gotta turn off that looping feature. <laughs> uh, hey, Jared, can you do me a favor? Remember that giant, luxurious punch bowl we found yesterday? It's, it's in the big mess we made. Can you go get that and fill it up like halfway with water for me? Thank you. thirsty. You guys, 600 years before Jesus came, sorry, let me just preface. If you grew up in church and you just saw me take off my slippers, um, and you're thinking, how could a pastor take off his slippers? I just want to point out, I'm a Bible-believing, Bible-following pastor. In the Bible, God only commands people to take off their shoes, never to put them on. So that's what it is. It is what it is. I'm just saying that now, Not we're not like the, the last, when I was on staff at the last church, I preached in Toms. You guys remember those shoes, Toms? You buy a pair, they give a pair. I preached in Toms, and a four-page letter was written to the elders about how they couldn't believe that a pastor would preach in bedroom slippers, is what they called them. And I said, oh, you think bedroom slippers is bad? Wait till I preach barefoot, uh, Moses before the bush. Take your sandals off for where you stand as holy ground. I think we forget this often. 600 years before Jesus, a few teenagers were kidnapped by a king. And they were taken from their families, taken from their homeland to a strange and faraway country. For those of you who are geography nerds, they were taken from Israel over to what would be modern-day Iraq, where, where Babylon Would be situated if it were still there today. It was the greatest kingdom that had existed up to this point in history. They had wealth, power, military might, and they took kids and politicians and the artists and the business leaders and they took them from their homeland. And Daniel was one of those teenagers. And last week we saw Daniel given the impossible task. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and in his dream, He he wanted to know what it meant, and he said, if you don't tell me what my dream meant, I'm going to tear you limb from limb, and if you think I'm going to make it easy, I'm not going to tell you what I dreamed about, so you must tell me what I dreamed, and then you must tell me what my dream meant, and that is where we are today. We find ourselves in a very famous story. For those of you who grew up in church, you can just put it right down here. I'm gonna go Gideon style on this thing. That is a bigger punch bowl than I anticipated. Is it heavy? That's because you donated me your gym membership, otherwise it'd be light still. Just kidding, I'm just kidding. He's, he's now he's gonna be like, I take my gym membership back from you. <laughs> Here's the dream. Because last week it was, tell me my dream, tell me what it means, or I will tear you limb from limb. They don't teach that in the Sunday school back there. They should scare those kids, right? Wouldn't you rather know the truth than just like a soft version, like Daniel in the kitten's den? and we want limb from limb. <clears throat> so let's read the word. You can follow along in the Bible app. It won't be on the screen today. <clears throat> you, you saw, O king, and behold... A great image. What kind of image? Great image. This image, mighty and exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay image gold head silver chest and arms bronze midsection down to the knees is what that would have meant in the in the language they're using iron from the knees down to here and then the feet were iron and clay and as you looked a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron clay and broke them into pieces then the iron the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken into pieces and became like the chaff, the, the part of the wheat that gets blown away, that nobody wants. It gets burned up. It became like the chaff in the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. May God bless you. The reading of his word. Here's the image. It's, it's a political image. This is right here. You, you might wonder, what does the Bible have to say about the end times and politics? The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are the two books primarily that speak to the end times, or at least that pastors point to in regards to the end times. And there are very differing ways to interpret these passages. Now, it's interesting because the king acknowledges this. The king knows that this is, this is my dream. You're right, Daniel. Daniel read his mind. Daniel opened up the mail of Nebuchadnezzar's unconscious mind, and at this point, you've got to be freaking out. At this point, it'd be like someone coming up to you and telling you exactly what you were thinking. One of my favorite movies for a season when I was younger was uh, it's called what women want with mel gibson do you remember this movie he gets electrocuted and he gets the power to know what women want he can read their thoughts he hears their thoughts in real time and i used to think oh that'd be the coolest thing because women are the most confusing creatures to me you know as like a 19 20 year old i just want to know what they're thinking there's even that bible verse in peter that where, where husbands are committed. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. And my joke about that passage is always that, that the Bible gives that call to husbands. Husbands, understand your wives, which is a vastly more difficult task than wives understand your husbands. You know what men are thinking about? There's like three items on our lists in our brain. We're vastly simple creatures for the most part. I don't want to generalize. But, but Daniel... Had the what women want knowledge of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and that's gotta freak somebody out. That God knows your dreams, the three to four dreams you have every night that you can't remember, God knows every one of them. God knows the thoughts that you have when your mind drifts away, when you're driving down Fishhawk Boulevard, and you think, I wonder if my lottery ticket numbers won last night. What would I do if I won the lottery? And then you play through the whole scenario in your head on Zillow, on Cadillac.com, Tesla. No, just me. Okay, never mind. But he read his mail, and this is the interpretation. Because it's going to point us towards something that happens in a course of history. Babylon is a mighty empire, and this is around 600 years before Jesus came. And he says this was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings. Weird name to give a guy that's not Jesus, right? The king of kings, this is verse 37. To whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. This is a pretty intense uh, interpretation. At this point, he's feeling pretty good. The interpretation is that you, king, who rule all men, all animals, all birds, you, king, who have might and glory, you, king of kings, Nebuchadnezzar, you, king, I need you to know that you rule over all the things. You are the head of gold. So at this point, he's probably pretty excited, right? I'm the head of gold. This makes sense. But then, bad news for a king. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth and there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron but some of the firmness of the iron some of the firmness of iron shall be in it just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay and as the toes and feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom would be partly strong and partly brittle. Now, if you're just going to track here with history, here's what's going on. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, gold, 600 B.C., give or take. After Babylon, the Medes and Persians came. I'm going to go with just straight history because of the stone. You've got to remember the stone that comes. It was carved by no human hand, and it's going to break all of these up. And there is a kingdom that has come, that has overtaken all the kingdoms of the earth. So if you're looking at that kingdom, that stone, as the kingdom of heaven, the stone that landed and then became a mountain and then filled the whole earth, you can look through this and say, okay, Babylon, gold head, Medes and Persians under King Cyrus, the silver, Alexander the Great, the bronze. It expanded and created roads and unified languages. The Roman Empire took over after Alexander the Great died, and his power was depleted and, and dispersed around. The Roman Empire rose up, but then the Roman Empire became divided amongst itself, and that's and that's what led to its eventual downfall. And it was in the midst of the Roman Empire that something came from heaven. Something that was not created you see there will be always be kingdoms. Daniel 2 last week told us that God sets up kings and tears down kings. Up presidents, down presidents, prime ministers. There is not a prime minister or president or congressperson that is where they are today because they outsmarted God or they they juked away from God's plan. God has a plan, a sovereign in charge of the universe plan, and it involves his kingdom. In the gospels, you hear Jesus saying things it seemed not very kingdom like he says things like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I need you to understand something you guys we We hear things so many times we f- we forget the meaning. We forget that these these Bible stories they were shocking. And I was thinking about this because we do this with music a lot, and I can't play this super loud because the copyright thing will start muting the video, but I just wa- I'm gonna do a little music quiz, okay? Because these are songs that so many of us know, and just in case you're like, oh, he's gonna play all only the new stuff that he knows. No, I went back deep, but I need to play, play something. A few songs, and I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna play a guessing game here. You're gonna tell me who sang it and what the song is called, and you get bonus points, okay, if you get these correct. Okay, so we're just gonna go one song at a time. Who? Okay, what was going on when Nat King Cole wrote Unforgettable, do we know? It was a pretty forgettable time, okay. Jimi Hendrix. Okay, we have, we're in the running here for iPod number one, iPod number two, okay. Now the kids are feeling left out right now. I'm just letting you know, okay? Okay, wait, hold on. Okay, now that all the elderly people are happy, let's scroll down the list a little bit here. My age. I'm gonna let this one play. Oh, yeah, I am. Anybody else? Okay, okay, hold on. on. The old people are gone. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good, you guys. Is anyone else having just flashbacks of happiness? Okay, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Just a few more. (laughs) No idea. Okay, Craig, I'm playing this one for you. Sorry, I did, I, I, here. This is crazy to me. Here, here's why this, here's why songs do this weird thing in me. This maybe not, may not be you. May that whole illustration could have just been for me. When I hear songs, it takes me to a place. If I played, and I was gonna play some obscure songs that really mean something to me, but half of you guys wouldn't know them. But there's a song by Casey and JoJo. It takes me right to middle school and high school slow dancing. You know what i'm talking about oh my love i pray for someone like you it's like the christian pickup line of 1994 Uh and and then like i heard it through the grapevine i don't know why but i play that song every time i would drive the grapevine because that's what a californian would do even though the song's not even about that the the song florida by florida georgia line cruising i literally played that when i was driving for my very first time across country, and I was going from Georgia into Florida, I put on, baby, you're a song, you make me wanna roll, and my windows were down, and I had the Nelly version, so I was like a thug and country, I was like, yeah! And it's just these memories that implant in me, and it's tied to every single song. And what's so weird to me is that we can read a Bible story like this, and our minds can just drift away. I've heard this before. This is the history. This is a blah, blah, blah. Nebuchadnezzar, Alexander the Great took over the world, made a common language, built roadways and security systems so that when the gospel came, when the kingdom came, it could spread. But everyone was expecting it to spread, not like we know it in our minds. It was the first time they heard the song of Jesus saying, the kingdom is here, and they're looking around saying, then kill the bad guys. But that's not what Jesus came to do in the kingdom. That's not what the rock that wasn't carved by any human hand came and destroyed. It didn't destroy with the power that we think that it ought to destroy with, because we only think in human terms. But when the kingdom of God came, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, now, there are some people who will say, well, it's referring to the next time Jesus comes. Well, if, if that's what the kingdom was referring to, why didn't Jesus say, when the kingdom of God is at the next hand after this hand? He said, when the, king, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish the kingdom, and he did it in a way that shattered the power structures of the world, and it's in a way that no one expected then it's in a way that very few Christians, I believe, understand and expect now. You see, his kingdom struck the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was, has never never recovered. It began to dwindle, and the Roman Empire tried to rise up against the church as the kingdom was beginning to grow and spread like a rock that became a mountain that took over the whole world. But the power didn't come like you would think, if you just read this passage, you would think, yes, my God is going to come crush my enemies. God is fueled and driven by his character. God so loved the world. I feel the religious people in this room saying, yes, but next time he comes, he will crush his enemies. Yes, but look at how patient he's been. Look at how patient he's been with me and you. Imagine if God were that wrathful, lightning chucking God, and every time you sin, he goes, eh, ah, gotcha. Imagine. See, this, this thing that we have in our minds with these common Bible stories is that so many of us know the words, we know the stories. Gary apparently knows every song from 1950 to 1974. Craig, you need to look up Wrecking Ball, but not the music video. It's a classic. Miley Cyrus. Hannah Montana, whatever you call her. See, I, I, I fear that we don't that we don't understand the kingdom, just like John the Baptist didn't even understand. John the Baptist got in prison and he writes to Jesus, Jesus, are you the one that is supposed to come? Because I'm not in my plan, I'm not in jail, Jesus. That's not my plan. And Jesus doesn't even answer him. He doesn't say, John, here's all the reasons. Here's the prophecies I fulfilled. Here's Isaiah. Here's this. Here's that. Jesus says, go tell John this. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. I'm setting the oppressed people free. And John's in prison thinking, I'm oppressed and I don't feel free. See, the point of the new kingdom, the kingdom that shatters all kingdoms, is that it's the kingdom of heaven. And we are We are God's plan A, his only plan. He's not a plan B kind of guy. You and I, we have plan A, B, C, D. When you apply for colleges, high school, middle school students, you'll apply for a bunch of colleges, and you'll be like, this is my top choice, this is my second choice. God is in control. He says, I have one choice, and I make my choice always come to pass. And what's amazing to me is that we have missed so much of how he instituted his kingdom, I, I, we look at the Great Commission, and this Great Commission, it's a mission given to us followers of Jesus to spread the kingdom news. And we treat it like a formula. But we forget that this news, this news is, is earth-shattering news. It's a type of forgiveness that I know many of us don't believe because we don't show it to others. It's a type of forgiveness that I know seems so radical and so contrary because it's easy, it's easy for us to, to give as, as religious leaders to say, just be a better person. It's easy for us to try to twist and mix in, do this and then God will do that and, and give you a little bit of religion with the gospel. I need you to understand that if the good news of Jesus is what started this kingdom, the kingdom of God is in the person and work of Jesus, then it must stay that way. We don't add things onto it When Jesus said things like, seek ye therefore the kingdom of heaven, seek it. Or when he says, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect, he's not telling us, he's not giving us a bar to finally be able to reach. If you think that that's the purpose of Jesus' morality clauses, you've missed the point of Jesus' teachings entirely. See, the, the church is not a behavior modification class. It's a good news center where we tell you that, that Jesus died for you despite the train wreck that is you and is me. And you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Jesus was telling us to be better. If you don't understand the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, whoever lusts has already committed adultery in his heart. He's not saying, I'm going to raise the bar higher. He's saying, I'm here to tell you what the law of God does. And we get this confused in in modern churches. We think the law does things that it was not intended to do. The law has a first primary use, which is to show you how wrecked and messed up your life has become. How addicted to sin our beings are because of the fall in the Garden of Eden. The first use of the law is to say, you can't do it. And humans looked at the law and we said, let's try to do it. And then Jesus said, No, 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 you don't you don't get it. You think that it was this law? We just gave you the the basic ten, the big ten. I'm gonna I'll tell you what the law means. It means you can't do it. Don't even lust. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't even say, I promise. Don't even say, I swear. Don't even have hate in your heart toward another person. Don't be divided between other people. If you have something against someone, you better go get rid of it before you even come to worship God. You guys, I cannot tell you the number of church services where I've been in and I haven't followed all of these things of God. You want to know why? Because I am a weary and tired sinner. The gospel, the gospel is not that we are strong, He is strong and we are weak. The gospel is not that we became good moral people. As much as I want to try and pretend, just put out the best moral sheen that I can, look how shiny and okay I am or you are, sin runs deep. And the only people who deny it are people whose pride of religion has glazed over their eyes and they can't see the sin that is present Everywhere, in their attitudes, in the way they look, in the way they think, in the way they process. I wore shorts today just to bother one religious person that might be here. Not intentionally, because it goes with the message. I don't have to wear pants, or shoes, or buttons. Some of you grew up, and you had to wear your Sunday best, and if you didn't wear it, you were looked down upon. Well, we don't have that at the chapel, obviously. But you know what? We've created our own Sunday best. It's hard for me as a pastor to walk alongside people who can't just say, I'm, I'm broken desperately in this area. Instead, we have to try to show the best side, the best version of ourselves. off. The kingdom of heaven came in a very different way. It was Jesus coming and saying, I am going to be your friend, and I'm going to make a way to be your friend, even though you might be a scoundrel. We talked briefly yesterday at the Band of Brothers about Judas, how how God in the flesh, Jesus, picked Judas Iscariot, one of the 12. Jesus had 12 close friends. And he said, I'm going to pick Judas, who's going to betray me later. Now, Jesus knew all of these things. And not only that, Jesus knew that Judas was a thief. And guess who Jesus put in charge of the money? Judas. you might be thinking, well, Jesus doesn't sound like he'd make a very good CEO. He's the CEO of the universe. So take that into consideration. Why would he make a thief in charge of the money? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what I do know? is that there are people that are leading various ministries here who have deep brokenness inside of them. And they're scared that if some of those things would be found out, that they would be rejected. And I'm here to tell you that they, you might get rejected by some Christians, but you will never be rejected by Christ. Because when the kingdom came, Jesus stepped into the thieves, into the tax collectors, into the prostitutes, into the poor, into those who the religious leaders had kicked out of the synagogue. And he said, come to me, you are my family. And they said, we're not good enough. And he said, I know I will be good enough. This is the kingdom that shatters the kingdoms of this world. It's not a kingdom of more power. It's a kingdom of radical service, and it starts with who Jesus was. And then he gives us this amazing call, go make disciples. And if you're like, that's a church word, I'm just going to say it in the same word I've been saying other things in the sermon. Go make friends for Jesus. And I need you to notice the order of this. If we're going to be part of God's kingdom... It doesn't mean that we have the four spiritual laws down. It doesn't mean that we know how to share every verse in the Bible. It doesn't mean that our systems of theology are perfect and right. It doesn't mean that we have every answer to defend the faith from atheism or Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or Islam. We don't know all of the different things. It means that Jesus showed us that he was our friend by dying on the cross. And he said, now go make friends for me. And then baptize them. Now now there's this thing about baptism. We just associate it in our brain like a song. If you grew up in the Presbyterian church, you sprinkle. Someone said, we should build a splash pad out in the kids' area. And I said, that's a great idea. And then he said, yeah, it's just like baptism. And I joked around. I said, well, that's Presbyterian baptism. It's just a sprinkle, you know. You just throw the kids under there for Jesus. I said, we're more of an underwater type of people. I have to say that because my father-in-law is a Baptist, so I have to dunk them deep. Um... And the more sinful you are, the deeper you have to dunk them. Which means we should all be at the bottom of the ocean. When Jesus says, baptize them, baptizo, flood them, soak them, immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's not just saying a formula. It's not just saying, baptize them and say these things. It's not a script. He's saying, I need you to immerse my new friends in me. Now the religious in here will say, yes, immerse them in discipleship and doctrine, and those things are good. We should be discipled. A disciple is a friend, a learner of Jesus who follows Jesus. But before that verse says in Matthew 28, "Go therefore and make disciples it says baptize them in all nations, or baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations, all people." It doesn't say, "Some people, politically left people, politically right people uh heterosexual people homosexual people says go make friends for jesus of all people and then you immerse them in jesus you immerse them in jesus and who jesus was and what he meant to you and what he's done for you that he's called you friend when you were his enemy that he became sin who knew no sin so that you could be sin free go bring the kingdom in this way make friends for jesus of people from all walks of life and then you teach them You don't teach them, here's all the principles about Jesus that you must know here and now. Because then Jesus becomes as dry as a textbook. Have you thought about some of the favorite songs in your life without music? Just read the words. Some of them are terrible. Some of them just sound weird. I came in like a wrecking ball. It doesn't sound right. I heard it through the grapevine respectabc ABC 2 That sounds like a children's song. It's a Jackson 5 hit. Sometimes we try to shove Jesus' concepts down people's throats before we show them what it means to be friended and be a friend of Jesus. To be served and loved in the midst of your brokenness. And this is what broke the kingdom. Christianity rose from Rome and has never looked back. Never. There's not a religion, not an organization, not a group of people who have done more to influence the world since the kingdom of God began with Jesus. Not one. Christians are responsible for starting hospitals. Christians are responsible for starting universities. Christians are responsible for starting orphanages. Those three things alone are massive. And and Christ's people said we're going to be friends of Christ and we're going to make other friends of Christ and we're going to do it by serving. And when we serve people, they might feel awkward about it. They might feel like, how could I? Who am I? But that's the call. That's the kingdom that shatters the worldly kingdoms. If you want to know how to make headway in this political climate today, no matter who you are, no matter which side you think you're on, right or wrong, left or right, whole bird, left wing, right wing, I don't know, Serve and make friends for Jesus. Immerse people in Jesus. Soak people in the love of Jesus. Immerse people in the outrageous seeking love of Jesus so that they look at you and they say, Man, I just want to be near you because you are such an incredibly amazing, kind, joyful human being. Immerse people in the healing of Jesus. When we pray, God, heal, heal the people in the chapel who have coronavirus. I'm not saying Here's my well wishes or my ethereal prayers and thoughts floating in the atmosphere. I'm saying creator of the universe who knows every cell, creator of the universe who knows every spike on every protein, go in there and do something, please. Immerse people, immerse people in the radical forgiveness that says, I had something wrong against you and I'm so sorry. I've just been holding this grudge and I don't want to hold this grudge, and I don't have to, and you can go into people knowing, like, even if they get mad, which I hope that we don't as a church family, even if there is division, that we could say, this is where I'm at, and it hurts, and it stinks, but man, it's incredible that Jesus would bring us together to walk this piece of journey to make more friends for him, to bring people into the kingdom, to immerse them in Jesus, immerse them in the Father, immerse them in the Holy Spirit. And then after they are immersed, after they are soaked, after you've taken the hydrant of God's love and grace and mercy, and you've just poured it all over them, then you know what happens? Then people are much more willing to want to to learn. You see, we don't, We've done this so backwards because we are a western shaped culture where we think if i teach them right doctrine then they'll have right emotion and right behavior but we've done it backwards because they don't so many people don't get gripped by the right love of god first and we think they've got to believe abcs and jesus says first in matthew 28 go immerse them in who i am show them who i am by your actions and then they'll want to listen they'll want to love they'll want to know more they want to get into the details of the Trinity and the propitiation and the atonement and the narrative story of the Bible and all these themes of the, of the forgiveness of sin and how it works and what the blood meant and the Old Testament uh, bulls and why Jesus had to bleed, all these Passover things, these beautiful, amazing, fun things. But they're not going to be interested if they're coming from the mouth of a jerk or a jerkette. It's just the reality. I want to commission you today to bring this kingdom to this world. Because it is odd times we're living in. The old folks that we've been ministering to at Twin Creeks, they've been so excited that we've been able to come back in and minister to them. Guess what just happened? They just got locked down again. They just got to see their family again. They just got to start having church services again. Last week, me and Don and Jesse were sitting there, and they were crying and just happy that we were there, that people would come to, to love them and pray with them, and then I found out they locked down again. These people who are in vast need of hope to be befriended by Jesus, you have neighbors like that. Some of you are like this, and I'm commissioning, commissioning you all today to go serve in a way that changes this world, and serving feels awkward. I mean, to really serve like Jesus served, it's a very awkward thing, Mike can you come up here I'm gonna I just they're not getting how awkward this is yeah come on man take off your shoes dude I didn't plan this I didn't stage him I'm glad you wore slippers now I know your feet are really dirty I knew God was gonna put someone on my heart Mike this is not me being more Jesus-y than you it is but it's not okay this water is probably cleaner than the water that they wash Jesus' feet with. You've been leading one of our micro churches now over in Channing Park. We haven't gotten to connect as much as we need to. I watch you as a father and a husband. and It inspires me the way that you're kind toward people. I'm washing your feet just as a symbol that I'm here to serve you. If you need things from me, if you need to call me at 2 in the morning, if one of your kids is going wild, like we're not the closest of friends. We have friends that are right in between us, like I'm on the other side of the Oreo from you. But, But as a microchurch leader, Gary, Dave as elders, Craig, Gail as people who just dropped a 50 bomb on marriage, congratulations. Edwin, elder, Derek in the back teaching, elder. I think Eric Young's over here, I heard him giggle, elder. Microchurch leaders, Jared and Bree. Bree's not even here today because she doesn't love Jesus enough. She went to Rainbow River. Jesse and Don, microchurch leaders, also with Bree. Don't love Jesus enough. Just kidding. But Mike, um, I'm commissioning you because God put you on my heart. It could have been because you mocked me earlier, but I really do believe. I really do believe that God is going to do great works as we take this kingdom forward, not a kingdom of political division, um, because we're going to get mandated to lock down again, I feel. Not a prophecy, it just seems like it we're going to get we're going to be masked up there's going to be fewer people it's going to be on you and the elders and the microchurch leaders and the microchurch families to rise up and to make friends for jesus because this this doesn't matter. the lights and all this this nonsense. Um, what matters is we 're making friends for Jesus by showing them forgiveness and service and love so i'm going to wash your feet. Can I get that? Jared just read my mind and um And I'm gonna pray over you. So you hold this. Was supposed to keep one of those to dry your feet, but I'm new at this, so walk on wet, my friend. <laughs> Mike, wash Angel's feet and pray a blessing over her. Angel, wash all your kids' feet. You know, you've done that so many times. Mike, you do the kids for her this time. Get down and serve one another today. I'm going to just ask my wife when service is over, how can I serve you today? What do you want me to do? Could be dishes, could be floors. I pray that she says, please serve me by eating a sandwich and taking a fat nap all afternoon. <sighs> I will serve you, my love. I will serve you with all my heart. So would you stand? And let's bring this kingdom. This is the kingdom that shatters shatters the earth's kingdoms because this is the tactic that no one is using except Christ and Christ's true followers that we would lay down our life that we would serve relentlessly that we would show forgiveness as he forgave us and that we would remember that this is not a behavior modification boot camp this is a good news camp where we can say how could it be that God could love a sinner like me I can't fathom it but that's the way that it is You are loved. You are embraced. You are his children. If I were to ask you, are you a Christian? Do you identify as a Christian or a child of God, a son of God? I pray that more and more as you come to this chapel family, you would say, I'm a a son of God. I'm a son of the most high king. I'm a daughter. I'm daddy's little girl. So that you could know that type of love. Now let me pray a blessing over you. The offering will be in the back. You can also give through the Bible app. It links right to the chapel. Um, so you can go ahead and do that. Thank you for your support. Thank you for those of you who helped yesterday at the um, cleanup clean day. The grounds look gnarly. You can see the pile of stuff that they had going on over there. If you need to get connected, do the connection card, please. It's in the app. You can do a card here. Put it in the basket. Um, now let me bless you. May God the Father the kingdom maker, the mountain who fills the earth be your guiding presence this week. May Jesus, our savior, the sacrifice for our sins, the wonderful beloved capturer of our hearts be with you all. And may the Holy Spirit give you the power and the courage and the intentionality to go and forgive as Jesus forgave, to go and love as Jesus loved, to serve as Jesus served, and to immerse people, to immerse people in the presence of this amazing God who has walked through the course of history to get us all to this point today to push back the darkness in this world with his glorious, loving light. In the name of Christ, amen and amen.